Hello and welcome back to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is August 28th, 2017. This is the 36th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games, and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. On today's episode, SNES Classic Pre-Orders and GameStop's Swap and Play program in our headline roundup. Our main topic is the state of Xbox One following Gamescom 2017. We'll get to your calls if you're tuning in live via Discord. And then we'll end the show with my prediction of what my top 10 favorite games list for 2017 will be as we begin the fall gaming season. So let's get to some housekeeping quickly. I uh, had a trip in Portland, Maine that I did want to record, uh, but there were some crazy work times where we're getting back to the hotel at 10 p.m. and then we have to be awake at 3 a.m. And it's like, I just can't fit a podcast time right in there, especially when it was you know, reliant on you, the callers, to call in at almost like a you know call-in talk radio show, right? So that didn't work. And then I'm also going through preparing to move house. So this is the last episode that I'm recording in this house that I've been in for about five years now that my wife and I have been in for two of those years. Uh, we're moving to our own place and you know, it was exciting to close that a couple weeks ago, but we've been doing things, we've been painting, we've been buying different furniture pieces and getting that all set up. So it's, we're less than a week away from moving. Uh, I can't guarantee that next weekend we'll be up or even set up to record, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll still have the green wall behind us. We'll still have our own uh, sort of production recording space. So that's all, all fine and good. But uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy time. I definitely wanted to get in an episode for sure because there's a lot to catch up on in the game industry. But we can first start with what I'm playing. Uh, quite a few games. We can run through those quickly. Sonic Mania beat that. That game is great. Uh, just totally recaptures the nostalgia and then some... Uh, if you've listened to different podcasts and things that I've done, I mean, Sonic 2 was the the first console game that I remember playing over at a aunt and uncle's house, you know, during Thanksgiving and just you know, experiencing Sonic 2. And so uh, with certain things like even the multiplayer with my brother, having that mode come back, uh, you know, modes reimagined with new things that like, Sonic Mania is fantastic. If you have any you know, affinity or nostalgia or fondness for classics, uh, Sonic do give that a go. Absolutely. And, uh, I would like to do a spoiler cast for that one. So we'll, we'll plan that out in the coming weeks. So do keep an eye out on our discord and our Twitter for that. Uh, I also picked up Undertale again, got that on PlayStation Vita. It's also on PS4. I got the cross by there, but that's going to be my, my travel game. I kind of got to around the same point that I stopped uh, previously it was, you know, making like 10, 15 minutes of progress and then dying because, uh, man, the the bullet hell is rough to begin with. But the Vita screen for Undertale makes that box super small. Uh, so it makes it very difficult. So I lost like 10, 15 minutes of progress. I'm like, All right, I'll, I'll pick that up later because it's Vita. It's portable. That could be my travel game. I've got a, probably another trip coming up at the end of September. So maybe we'll get back to it then. Hopefully, but then you know, Danganronpa V3 is also coming up. So uh, it's nice to have Undertale, at least there on PS4 and Vita. It'll be interesting to see how they work with the, the console save file and all that. Uh, those who played PC would be familiar with that game's workings. 
played Res Infinite. Res Infinite uh, had the surprise PC release. Tried that on HTC Vive. I still have to get to the Area X, which is the brand new level. But I did beat the original Res game adapted for virtual reality. Uh, really strong VR showing. I wish I had sat down to experience it. Uh, there were a couple times where I got a little wobbly in the legs, uh, just standing in place too long. I mean, it's a game that originally was released on PlayStation VR, so it's it's a game that works with you know the stationary seating and you know not the room scale movement like HTC Vive or Oculus uh, Rift now affords. Uh, so yeah, I wish I was a little more stationary uh, to to play that, but uh, you know, great on rail shooter with the music and everything. Definitely give it a try. Uh, it's honestly easy to see why at its launch it's the best PlayStation VR game, and it's a really solid game for uh, Vive as well. I would say that Super Hot VR is a better demonstration of the technology, though. Uh, and then I also played Madden NFL 18. Uh, I was hooked by the idea that the story mode was actually really good. Great reviews coming in for that. The long shot mode, uh, definitely give it a try. I, if, if it's at least a rental, if you like Telltale games and you have a passing interest in football, uh, give it a shot. You know, Give it a rental. Uh, I really enjoyed the four to five hour experience. It was maybe a little corny at points, some, some oddly you know, stereotypical uh, written characters, but it was overall a lot of fun and, you know, tested some, some good football knowledge, didn't make it, you know, crucial to the story, uh, but I had a lot of fun with that. And then I'm also digging into the, the Mutt mode, the Madden Ultimate Team, and that's kind of like a, an RPG card deck team building sort of mode that I'm sure it added into Madden a couple of years ago, but I haven't really played Madden since 2012. Let's just say the it's been a big jump from then, so experiencing the new modes, Frostbite looks great in that game. Uh, you know, the graphics are, are pretty astounding. It's, it's made a big jump since 2012. So enjoying my time with Madden NFL 18 and then really just started Yakuza 0. I didn't get too far in it at all. Uh, I was tried playing a little bit last night and was tired. I'm going to try to make some more progress in that. Got that as a rental. So very busy on the playing front. Uh, so over the last couple of weeks, a lot of things have happened in the game industry. Let's try to recap them the best we can in our headline roundup. We start with SNES Classic. The you know the pre-orders after Walmart put up some you know dummy or false pre-orders. It really just happened out of nowhere in the middle of the night. Amazon went live at like 1 a.m. Uh, Best Buy a couple hours later. I guess if you didn't give a certain time, you lessen the chance of scalpers, you know, kind of ripping off the consoles in a way. But uh, to have that come out of nowhere for those who wanted the system, a lot of people are frustrated with that and trying to keep an eye on what will happen with the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition. Uh, you know, I'm not someone who's itching to get one, but for those that are, are really wanting that collector's item, I, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, you do downplay the sense of having the scalpers come in, but it isn't fair necessarily if you're on the East Coast and it's 1 a.m. I mean, if you're crazy like me and you happen to be awake at that time, you know, go figure, but many people aren't. So uh, that's the pre-orders are now out. You know, maybe some stragglers may be there, but uh, it seems like Nintendo hasn't necessarily learned their lesson, and that's probably the most troubling thing of all. Just get these games on virtual console. At the end of the day, I think that's really what we want. 
Polygon had an interesting piece about crunch in the video game industry, and it was taken from an excerpt of a book, and uh, the author made some notes about, you know, kind of, it's good that it's bringing up the discussion and all that, but it's eye-opening, and crunch is something that the game industry in particular needs to address, I think, going forward, especially as games get more and more expensive, these AAA offerings, and you know the rush to turn these out and turn profits for their publishers. Games need time, especially as the technology gets more and more complicated, especially if you want a high-class, you know, well-made product. The idea that in the last several months you have to work long hours and work weekends and, you know, damage your health, essentially. There was actually an interesting Twitter thread from the creator of Night in the Woods, an indie game that we've mentioned on the show a couple times. And for Night in the Woods, the guy's basically saying, like, look, it's... You know, I was kind of one of these people who thrived off of the pressure of, you know, working and feeling good about my craft, but, you know, losing sleep, not sleeping, you know, damaged me. Like, I'm not healthy and I'm still recovering from all of that. Like, it's not a good situation. Uh, and it's, it's one that we need to keep addressing and keep bringing up. And I guess, you know, the Polygon piece, do give it a read. I've got it in the show notes uh, if you want to check that on rhymesofasia.com. But, Give it a read if you have not yet, uh, because it, it is eye-opening that there are certain types of people who thrive on crunch, and it's it's something that the industry needs to look at for sure. Something I found interesting that I don't think got too much coverage, but something to, to bear in mind for the future. Over in Australia, EB Games, or you know, a branch of what is essentially GameStop here, uh, EB Games in Australia testing a program called Swap and Play. And the idea of swap and play is that you pay a monthly subscription fee uh, for American dollars. It's the equivalent of about $16 a month. And you get to take out any used game from an EB Games or GameStop, essentially. Very interesting. Uh, You know, they're they're kind of testing out in the market down there, see how it plays, uh, because there's going to be a lot of balance really with inventory and you know demand for higher games and because you could take out that you know $60 or you know 54.99 or whatever is brand new but used game uh, with your your subscription if there's stock in it uh, so you balance that between and it it makes sense I think especially when you see in a GameStop and they have walls and walls and walls of just used selection sitting there not being touched. Uh, it makes it for an interesting thought. Like, would you pay 15 to $20 a month just to say, I can go in and any GameStop and, you know, take out a used game and when I'm done, return it and take out a new one. I think that's really tempting. Uh, if you use Gamefly like I do, you do have the challenge. You can rank your used games what you want, but it is dependent on their stock as well. And so you're not always sent what you want at the top of your list and plus there's a few days of gotta have it sent from the mail and there's a turnaround there so i think if you know this was brought over from their testing in that australian market if this was brought over here to a GameStop monthly fee go check out any used game and then swap it back in i think i would i would change to that model as opposed to gamefly that's really really tempting so keep an eye on that. Uh, we'll see how it does. And if you know that swap and play program comes over here, you'll see where it started. 
Xbox Live Gold games for September 2017 have been announced. It's a little ahead of schedule, but I'm not going to complain. I do want to see what PS Plus has to offer, though. Xbox One games, though, September 1st through 30th, you get Forza Motorsport 5, along with this Top Gear car pack. That'll be for free. It's it's not bad. You know, 7's coming out. Give a little taste of what Forza's all about. Then September 16th through October 15th, you get Oxen Free on Xbox One for free. And that's a that's a great game. I, you know, Doba is called in the show, one of our our previous guests, and like that was one of his favorite games of 2016. I mean, that's a it's a really really solid title. On Xbox 360, from the first through the 15th, you get Hydro Thunder Hurricane, and then Battlefield 3 from September 16th through 30th. So overall that's a pretty strong month for xbox live games with gold so check that out if you are an owner of that platform coming out of nowhere at like a 3 a.m on a weekday secret of mana is getting a 3d remake on playstation 4 playstation vita and pc you got the teaser trailer for it coming out february 15th 2018 i mean kudos to square enix for this one an all-time classic super nintendo game the multiplayer it's it's beloved to get a 3d remake like this with voice acting uh, that's that's a pretty awesome remake i'm not gonna lie i mean switch is getting the collection of uh the seiken densetsu games uh so Maybe they'll get this one too, hard to say, but they're committing to PS4, Vita, and PC for now. Uh, that's, a, that's a great surprise release, you know, just building up. You know, if 2017, if we thought this was incredibly strong, I mean, 2018 is some really solid games, you know, starting to build that list up as well. Talking about future games though, Half-Life 2, Episode 3 had a story plot synopsis posted on the website of one of the developers and lead writers of you know, Half-Life, Half-Life 2, and the first two episodes of, of Half-Life 2. Uh, Mark Laidlaw posts on his website, Episode 3. Uh, again, check this one out. He, he changes character names and all that, and it's essentially what a plot synopsis of Episode 3, the long-awaited Half-Life 3, would be like. Now, some say, oh, it, it's fan fiction. The guy no longer works at the company. Uh, it's so it, it's an unusual situation where maybe this is a sign that, you know, Valve has kind of pushed things back in favor of their Dota card game artifact. Uh, you know, maybe this got pushed back. They're maybe waiting for that technology to finally surface before a Half-Life 3 could possibly happen. Uh, but a very unusual uh, sequence of events to have this posted. And uh, do check it out if you're a fan of that series. If you're if you're really tempted to see what... The, I mean, granted, it ends on another cliffhanger. So I'll, I'll give you that warning. But uh, do check that out again. That's in our show notes. And then finally, this Wednesday, August 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, Nintendo will have another Nindies showcase to show their independent games that are coming to the Switch platform for 2017 this summer. So the upcoming season. Uh, I think the big one you got to see there, ukulele. You got to have the Switch date for ukulele. Like that's that's got to be a must. Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see what other games they're offering. Maybe that's where they could say something like, oh, when Square Enix is going to come and show that you know, Secret of Mana game. That's, that's for next year, though. I don't know. You know guarantee ukulele. They've got to they've peg it there for sure.
But let's get to our main topic, though. It was Gamescom 2017, and with PlayStation showing their sort of summer showcase at Paris Games Week, again, this year like they did a couple years ago, Gamescom was Microsoft's place to shine with Xbox One. Before the show, however, surprising news that Crackdown 3, a game that was supposed to launch on November 7th, along with the Xbox One X, delayed to spring 2018 Uh, you know there's a lot of pr speak about oh well we're trying to make the best game possible and we have three different types of game modes in crackdown 3 and you know we have maybe one really good one but we want to make the best game possible of all three and you know just just come out and say it it's it's not ready it's not meeting your standards and you know we apologize for this uh it does lead into the question of what is the state of the xbox one x but before we get more into that, let's let's talk about their Gamescom showing. I think someone put it best when they said it was the definitive edition of their E3 press conference. Many similar things shown with, you know, Mordor or Shadow of War and Assassin's Creed Origins that, it, yeah, it'll look great on Xbox One X. But they had a few surprise announcements, first of all being the official pre-orders for Xbox One X. Uh, you know, I... Just got an Xbox One S myself, uh, and I can explain a little why in a bit. But I helped my brother, you know, say, "Hey, pre-orders are up. You know, go and get one." He's really looking forward to the Xbox One X, so I'm glad I helped him secure one, especially the the Project Scorpio limited edition. That's that's neat for those that were right on the ball there and say, "See there." They had it, you know, right after a press conference. It was in the middle of the day. It was not in the middle of the night. That's kind of how you should do if a, a big pre-order event sort of roll out there. Uh, one of the interesting announcements that they made is that they're also having 4K patches to past first-party games. So to say that Halo 5 Guardians is going to get a 4K patch for Xbox One X on launch day, to say that Quantum Break, a game that I believe ran at 720p on the base Xbox One, to have that get an enhancement there, that is just, it's great to have that kind of support. And it, you're really seeing the difference between the Xbox One X, you know, uh, leaps and bounds, you know, beyond what Xbox One is. Uh, you know, PS4 Pro kind of more on the same pace with the Xbox One S update. Yes, we can do 4K media. Yes, we can do HDR. But, you know, X is, is pushing the bar here and kudos to them. But it's really going to be a matter of sure you can sell that we are the best place to play games and we have the best visual fidelity and don't we look awesome there but if you don't have the games to back it up then what does it mean and i think it all comes down to where players want to play those games the xbox one x pre-order numbers are have apparently very successful so far you look on Amazon and the tracker says that Xbox One X is higher on the charts with pre-orders than PlayStation 4 Pro has been all year. Xbox PR is saying that it's the best Xbox pre-order ever. Like, And they're just saying that. They're not throwing out numbers, so it makes it a little tough to buy that. Are they just continuing the hype? Hard to say. But I think my perspective seems to be, you know, it really is about what ecosystem you want to really be in and really want to commit in uh, as someone who is fortunate enough to know, own you know, all three systems with Xbox One S and PlayStation 4, soon to be Pro and uh, with you know, PS4 for years, obviously, but uh, and Nintendo Switch as well. I just want to play games. 
And, you know, I happen to be at a point where I'm, you know, at the financial freedom to do so. You know, you can say that the console war continues, but I think personally that's something that exists maybe when you're in junior high when you're in high school, that you maybe can only financially commit to one company and you think that your support makes you an ambassador of sorts for the brand so you have to defend them as if they were a company. You know, if you like playing on Xbox, if that's your main place, man, go for it. If you have the time and all the you know achievement points put into it, yep, have at it. Be excited for Xbox One X. That's an exciting system if that's where you primarily play games, but... I find lately that I primarily play most of my games, third party especially, on PlayStation 4. And so that's where I'm excited to, I'm going to eventually get the the Destiny 2 PS4 uh, Pro as I'm upgrading from the PS4 with this move. It's it's a whole complicated situation. I don't want to get too much into it. But uh, the key is I want to play primarily on PS4. And, you know... Xbox One S, I I got it because I have Xbox games. I have an Xbox library. I have time in that ecosystem. So I I want something also that's, you know, the the 4K Blu-ray player. I think that's appealing to have for Xbox One S. Um, But I think when it comes to the strategy going forward and where Xbox as a brand is, I think they're still feeling the effects of the Don Matrick years. I think Phil Spencer is absolutely the, the right guy to lead that team, I mean, he was you know, head of uh, the Microsoft Studios team when Don Matrick was there, but he wasn't the one calling the shots like Matrick was. And you're seeing with certain things like when you know, Fable Legends got canceled, when Scalebound got canceled. I'm sure in the early you know, years of those development cycles uh, for those games, that was probably a Matrick call. And if Phil Spencer went in and saw the quality and it wasn't living up to what his envisionment for the Xbox brand is, then yeah, I guess cancel it. But the first party situation does have to turn around. The exclusive situation does have to turn around, especially when, you know, Microsoft as a company is embracing Windows 10 and embracing the PC platform. I mean, look at, you know, the the exclusive situation this year, four years in the system, it's dreadful. Uh, Halo Wars 2 and Forza 7 are your two, you know, full-priced console exclusive and I mean gosh you even have them both on PC as well but you know to play it on console exclusively there uh, that's it yeah sure you have indies like Cuphead will also be that kind of situation but for the full big budget and uh, I mean gosh you're looking at Sony with PlayStation 4 like the Japanese partnerships and those exclusives are really rolling in I mean you had an, an Uncharted game that came out for $40 granted uh, but you look at the future of those companies. And there are other YouTubers who've broken it down better. I mean, check out Yong Yia, who did a nice breakdown kind of of uh, the the exclusives between the different platforms. Uh, but going forward, yeah, it's it's Sea of Thieves. It's Crackdown 3. There's uh, State of Decay 2. What else is there? And I we've talked on past podcasts before where it, it goes to show the structure of Sony's first party lineup. We know the different studios. We know what they're working on. That's been laid out. We know of things like, you know, Days Gone from Bend. We know it's a second party, but, you know, Quantic Dream with Detroit uh, Become Human. I mean, even looking in years beyond, we were talking Last of Us 2 from Naughty Dog. Uh, we're talking Day, uh, Death Stranding from Kojima Productions. There are games kind of laid out for the PS4, not to mention these sort of stealth announcements that, oh, Secret of Mana is going to come 
to PlayStation. So it, it does show that, you know, there's also the market share that PS4 is, you know, almost doubled up Xbox one from all accounts. Uh, I, I think Xbox will be fine because Xbox is still making money. You got to recognize like they're doing rather well. They're outpacing Xbox 360 numbers. It's just that PS4 is doing historically well and it's looking poor by comparison. So I wouldn't say the Xbox brand is dying or anything like that. You still have that hardcore audience that, yeah, they'll, they'll buy into I want to play the third party games that look best on Xbox, certainly. Uh, but, you know, would it overcome the, well, Destiny is going to get DLC first on, on PlayStation 4. Well, Call of Duty is going to get Destiny or DLC first on PlayStation 4. Star Wars Battlefront 2 for this year, uh, PlayStation has the footing in there. So I, I think, you know, the generation is kind of lost, but Microsoft's trying to spin it as, you know, we're going beyond generations. And I think that's the challenge there. So in a, in a gist of it, I think they're not losing money, so they're fine. Uh, they're they're kind of keeping pace and trying to build towards what may be a next box. Uh, but you know, try to see what they can do to kind of shift the paradigm of the industry here. Is it going to be more like a a cell phone release structure, especially when Xbox One X is such a big leap up? But man, I I trust Phil Spencer to lead that that brand, but. They do have to figure out the, the first party situation more. And I'd like to hear more about what's being planned. Like, don't keep 343 in the dark so long. Let's at least see a tease of Halo 6. Let's at least, you know, get confirmation that the next Gears is being worked on at the Coalition. Like, I'd, I'd like to see how that's kind of structured. And so that there is a plan going forward for at least Microsoft's first party exclusives for the console and PC as well. So that's what I have to say. When we come back, we will get to the callers. We can talk about the main topic with Xbox and where you think about where they're at. We can talk about our headlines, even games you're playing recently. We can talk about anything. That's all when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the power switch. It is pouring outside right now. I am, I'm glad that I, in a way, kind of ran out of time. I was packing up all of my games and it's just, it's a lot to bring in all those boxes stacking up, but I was packing up in, in different cardboard boxes to prepare for the move. You got to do this whole mini move thing. It's, it's at all possible. I, I'm just taking different things in my vehicle, multiple trips to the house back and forth. It's going to make moving day a whole lot easier uh but you know i'm only moving like two three miles away from where we are currently so i guess that does help things you don't want to waste the gas too much but yeah it's pouring outside i don't know if you happen to pick it up on the mic here but uh i'm glad we're kind of staying in tonight and doing a podcast so let's hear what you guys have to say joining us from illinois video game guru 64 welcome back to the power switch how are you good 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 what would you like to talk about today uh I would like to talk about Gamescom and Nintendo at Gamescom and how they had like five days of coverage of uh, different types of games. Yeah, they did a whole lot of live streaming. Uh, you know, Super Mario Odyssey once again walked away with best of show. Uh, that's really building up to what should be a very exciting launch for that game. Uh, what caught your eye in particular at, at their coverage? I uh, was uh, intrigued by the nine... Uh, Paragon? No, it's not Paragons. It's nine parchments. 
Yes, nine parchments. Huh. It looks like uh, a lot like Gauntlet, but four uh, players uh, co-op. Very interesting. Hmm. I mean, it sounds perfect. You want that local co-op, you know, portable, take it anywhere. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, Gauntlet, a, a classic game. That's interesting that, okay, nine parchments. I got to look more into that. Have you been... Uh, reviews of uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Yeah, so just today, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle had its review embargo lift. Uh, looking very strong. I think it's kind of hovering around that 84, 85 point on Metacritic. That's very solid. Um, I don't think it's going to change my opinion personally on the game. You know, the the uh, the style of, of play with the, the kind of XCOM strategy, not really for me, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to see you know great reviews for that that game to you know continue to sell the system and uh metroid samus returns and then uh ea sports uh fifa uh 18 was you know, <laughs> i didn't get much see of it but that's a good showing that ea is supporting the switch my one and- concern with that though is that they're they're supporting it and they're kind of putting like the focus on, well, if this doesn't do well, then maybe we just bail entirely. And I don't think, you know, a kind of watered down approach to FIFA, and though I'm sure it is fine, but when you compare it to its other console brethren, like it's it's not the same. Uh, and I think it's, you know, a similar situation with the WWE 2K18 game is going to come out. Like, yeah, it should be feature complete, but you're going to see a distinct difference. But I hope the appeal of having it portable really helps. Uh, I I hope it sells really well. But I hope EA isn't just so blind to say, well, if it doesn't live up to our expectations, we're going to back off entirely. Well, uh, another game that EA is publishing on the Switch is, uh, I think it's called Fae? Yeah, Fee, yeah. Or Uh, Fae, yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that that looks uh, totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one's more of a the indie offering. Uh, you could kind of almost make a comparison to Unravel, the one with Yarny. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. sure, put that out on Switch as well. Um, yeah, I think yeah, the these publishers, especially the Western ones, whose big games you know can't be supported on Switch, uh, I think you have to be very particular and you know pick out which ones which games will work best for Switch. Uh, why they haven't put Peggle or Peggle 2 out on Switch is beyond me. I mean, just reach back into that catalog. What would work best portably? And uh, yeah, I, yeah, go for something like that, you know? Yeah. And uh, my last thing is I went to uh, Comic-Con uh, this past weekend. It was uh, pretty good. I uh, won- Well, I didn't win, but I mostly a uh, Pokemon uh, teach tournament okay uh, i i got all the cards that were given out so <laughs> nicely done so i take it that was in chicago then yep, that was in chicago uh there was a smash brothers tournament uh i didn't get anywhere in that because i am not that good at smash Bros. and i haven't played it since 2016 like a year year and a half mm-hmm. yeah it's been yeah. several months for me too any of those that commit to the game and they go to tournaments they're 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 very good so that's yeah it's all it no surprise it was there like, it was like a 64 uh tournament 
Oh, nice. Before player tournament, so really good for uh, Comic-Con standards. Yeah, I, I do wish I could go to, to more convention. We have one in Detroit, Yomacon, which is more of an anime and gaming convention. Uh, we've been going to that one for years. But, yeah, I may have to take a year off with this one, uh, with, with the house and everything. So that's that's tough. But, yeah, it's, it's always cool when you have, you know, gaming showings at these conventions, whether it's through different tournaments or whatnot, or even in the dealer room. I think that's always an interesting outlet as well when hey, the I- dealers show, you know, games on sale or, or systems or things from Japan. Like, that's always really cool. Oh, and I got to HTC Vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. I got the uh, tryout. Oh, neat! What'd you think of it? Well, I think it was maybe my uh, head adjustment or something, but it was kind of blowy. Mm, yep. And it, it was kind of cool. It was just like a roller coaster type uh, thing, and you yeah, can just uh, do it. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wonder how they cool, had it set up. I don't wear any glasses or anything, so mm. maybe that's the reason uh, mm. people might have worn glasses before I tried it on. So Right, they may wear glasses, so they have to push back the lens. Yeah, it's something you got to dial in and work with that. And I, I can only imagine in that kind of con environment to, to be passing one headset to the next. You might not get the best uh, tuned-in experience. I remember when the first time I tried a VR system like that. It was PlayStation VR, Best Buy had demos there and tried out uh, Eve Valkyrie, which is like the space ship sort of shooting game. Uh, and yeah, it wasn't entirely in focus for me as well. Uh, but yeah, that's because, yeah, you're passing from one person to the next and you can't get that yeah, there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's really cool. So I know yeah. you're busy. I'll let you get back to what you're doing. Anything you'd like to plug though, Video Game Guru 64 I can find you on Twitter at that handle. Uh, yeah, I... Uh... Go buy Mario Plus Rabbits. <laughs> Better. It's uh, good. I don't know. It, it's, it is sounding like it's very good. Looking forward to hearing more people's opinions about it, that's for sure. Well, thanks so much yeah. for calling in. You have a great night, all right? Yep. And joining us from North Carolina, Demetrius. Welcome back to the Power Switch. How are you? Um, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a while, but... Absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, it's since our, it's our E3 shows, and it's good to have you call into a normal episode. What would you like to talk about today? I would actually uh, like to talk about, I guess, the state of Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle mm-hmm. and my personal journey, I guess, with it. Man, when those leaks first came out, I'm be honest, I, I thought it was just stupid. Yeah. Um, I was like, there's, there's just kind of no way in hell that this ends up not being absolutely offensive best case scenario like just a truly terrible thing now i gotta ask you know when you mentioned leaks are you referring to when we first saw picture footage of it or you know the months before when you had people like laura kate dale who's over now at uh, kotaku uk but she's doing her own website at the time but you know getting hearing from different sources that there's a mario and rabbits game that it's you know looking to be for the, the switch or you know nx at the time but I, I guess when did you first hear about this actually being a real possibility yeah um i actually heard it uh during the the you know, Laura K. Dale and other, uh, I guess, leakers, mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about it. And I knew nothing except NX is planning a Mario and Rabbits crossover. Um, and you know, there was we were we were hearing a lot of other good things about NX, but like 
as a Nintendo fan, I'm like, you guys kind of got to get this perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. It's really worrying to me. It seemed like just kind of a, a bad idea, but certainly like even before we started seeing the images, that's when I first ha- heard about it. And if I recall correctly, we didn't even you know hear about what kind of game it was, just that it was like a, a crossover. We, we had heard the title. I mean, that was, that was pretty much correct, but it wasn't until we were getting a little closer to actually seeing the picture leaks that it's like, oh no, it's like a, it's a you know strategy game, almost like an XCOM sort of thing. So I think once, once those came into focus and people are actually giving favorable impressions, uh, I think that's probably when the momentum started to shift. But yeah, man, early on when it's just, you know, this is a thing, Wait, wh- why rabbits? Like they're yeah. they're the minions before the minions. Yeah, tr- true. And God, as a Rayman fan, they just kind of irritate. Oh gosh, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, but um, and I, I I actually when I first first heard about it, I just straight up didn't believe it. But like several like insiders were just straight up saying like, "No, this is a real thing. We are sure about this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be announced eventually." So I actually started to change my tune a bit once we first saw those uh, those images. Like, I guess getting sort of a visual aspect to it, it looks semi-interesting. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I guess I'll, I'll wait and see. But I still have my reservations. And then come E3, that really totally shifted my opinion. I, I actually started to become kind of excited for that game because I just remember the developers had so much passion for their project and you can tell a lot of the time when something was made with a list of check boxes versus really kind of putting your heart and soul into something yeah, yeah. and and uh, seeing seeing that the developer I think his name is forgive me French speakers for botching this horrendously Davide Soliandi, mm, mm-hmm. he he was like actually crying seeing uh, Miyamoto on stage, which was also great to see. It was the first time he saw Miyamoto on stage in years for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, maybe there's really something to this. And the gameplay looked solid. I mean, I'm not a huge turn-based RPG fan, but you know, I'm willing to try anything once. I certainly like Fire Emblem. So... I'm like, okay, I'm willing to give this thing a shot. And it, it, it looks pretty graphically, which, you know, graphics don't matter that much, but it's usually, especially on a Nintendo console with a third party, it's usually a sign that somebody's really trying if the graphics look good. Sad to say that you kind of have to, like, if you see effort in graphics, it's kind of a sign that there is effort at all. Yeah, and it's the art style that sells it, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. um, they got guidance from Nintendo. I'm sure it was kind of the partnership there. Yeah, as far as yeah, the developer tearing up in the audience, I mean, that was like that's one of the big moments of E3, right? So it's 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 always great to see when it is a passion project. Then you get things like uh, you know Grant Kirkhope doing the music. I mean, that that's a great great pick there. It's, oh yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to see that you know there there are great reviews for it because you know. Man, Switch does need more games to continue that really strong launch year and keep building up the momentum and wait for the flood of supply to come in when they, they figure out that battery situation. Uh, but yeah, to continue to build that library, that's always awesome to see. 
agreed. And it's um, at the beginning, I was reserved to be like, okay, switch launch year is going to be like something that's like 90% great with Zelda and Odyssey and Xenoblade 2, which we knew, like all these things that we knew about in January. Didn't give a rat's behind about FIFA. I thought it would be outright bad on on switch but i guess it's all right but not the other console versions right right um, and uh the other stuff i guess i, I also side note thought arms is going to be outright bad and i was uh pleasantly surprised with that um, you know with that game i'm a little surprised that it hasn't continued the legs so to speak you know we kept always making that pun <laughs> but you know, they, they had the character of Max Brass that they, you know, revealed for DLC a couple of weeks after launch. Now they announced Lola Pop at uh, Gamescom. And I don't see too many people really excited about it. I wonder if the arms hype has fizzled out. But, you know, it was an over a million seller. Like, that's amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Nintendo got exactly what they wanted out of that game since it sold over a million. The timing of it. With how soon Splatoon 2 followed, like, it was kind of like a fail safe. Like, if this don't work out, we got something that we know is going to work out, certainly in Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, coming, like, right on its heels. It was kind of a a no-loss situation for them, because if ARMS came out and only did, like, a, you know, 100,000 or something, they might even turn a profit on that game with that amount, because it's not, like, a resource-intensive game, pretty as it is. And then Splatoon two, you you're you're selling a million in Japan, like you just are, right? <laughs> because they love that game. I, I very much enjoy it too. I'm not like I'm not saying like oh them Japanese weirdos. Like, <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I, I love Splatoon two as well, and I, I really enjoy Splatoon one. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if that if arms fizzles out of the gate, you're like, well, don't worry, you've got this right around the corner, and it can just you know take over and eat its lunch essentially. So that's that's a really good point. Hmm. But um, the problem is, like, you know, the Splatoon 2 kind of killed the arm type. Yeah. Even though it arm sold a lot, which is, like, I'm sure this is kind of, like, almost the best-case scenario. Like, maybe just shy of, like, both of them being perennial all-time sellers, which is, like, not realistic to expect. You sell a million with arms. Splatoon 2, yeah, it kind of kills the arms hype, but now it has its own hype. And so you sell a couple million with that, and that carries you until Mario plus Rabbids, which, like you said, is averaging significantly high scores mm-hmm. on on Metacritic and, and game rankings. Just shocks the heck out of me. Yeah, like yeah. I, I was really expecting like best case scenario on seventy five, but like yeah, I was thinking seventy five to eighty myself. Yeah, I, I thought eighty would have been like great like they they did the best they could possibly hope for but like it's like mid to high 80s right well and it's a good problem to have right i mean so to have an audience that loves playing games on your platform it's actually a very similar thing with playstation vita i mean vita you know had its its install base of those who owned the handheld but Vita owners bought lots of games because they loved playing games on the Vita. It's the same thing with Switch. I mean, if you have an audience that is committed to, you know, buying the big installments, uh, you know, that's that's okay to have that problem, even if it kills the hype for one of your games. It's yeah, I feel like if you if you have to have a problem with your games 
probably don't want it to be the Xbox problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you want the exclusives, let's say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you got a problem, let it be all of our games are too are so good they kill each other's hype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm very pleasantly surprised by this game and it really gives me hope as a Nintendo fan, uh, surviving the Wii U games, which, by the way, I like the Wii U, but... Yeah, I, I was pulling all my games together. I'm like, I am amazed by how many Wii U games I actually have. Like, it's got to be, like, yeah. 15 to 20. Like, it's it's absurd. And, like, that's a system with a great, a great lineup of games that I hope many of them can come over to Switch in some capacity. Yeah, more people need to appreciate those. I, I really thought the Wii had a good library, but I, I suppose I'm somewhat unique mm-hmm. in that opinion. I was sold on it as of Smash Brothers. Back yeah, yeah. Uh, it gives me hope because six months in, and there's been very few missteps in terms of games. Now, the online and voice chat situation is offensive. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rough. So there's things like that, and you know, it could have more like apps for people to use the Netflixes and the, the Hulus and all that stuff. But in terms of games, this is just a ridiculously good library and it doesn't stop. Like we haven't even, we haven't gotten to Odyssey yet. We haven't gotten to Xenoblade 2 yet. We haven't like Metroid Prime 4. We don't even know what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Pokemon Switch. We know it's a video game that exists. Like that's it. No, it's awesome to see, you know, the promise of Switch start to come together. And yeah, you're right. I mean, Odyssey could very well be a contender for Game of the Year. And that's crazy to think after you put out one of the best rated games of all time in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I mean, that's amazing for a first year. I can only hope the kind of methodical rollout of exclusive games kind of just continues into 2018 and beyond. Uh, that's very exciting. And I know for playing, I mentioned I've been playing in a beat Sonic Mania, but that game is out everywhere on, on every console and, you know, PC tomorrow. But I mean, playing it on switch is amazing. Taking it portably is awesome. I, I quite enjoy playing Sonic Mania. Reminded me of the old days. A little, I am, I disagree somewhat with the the conversation that oh my OMG Sonic is finally back as if it hasn't had any good games whatsoever since Sonic Three and Knuckles. Like I, I, I disagree with that, but yeah, I mean Colors like, was solid. Generations was a good game. Uh, so yeah, it's not. I think it's disingenuous to say like this is the first good Sonic game, but. Uh, I think it, it shows a promise for the possible rejuvenation of the franchise, uh, you know, in as terms of, you know, consistent quality games. I, I think this is, you know, showing a test case for this is something people want. I, I think you could easily see a Sonic Mania 2 or something like that happening with this as a test case. Oh, yeah. And I personally would absolutely love to see it. Like, people love the game. You know, it's, it's averaging high scores in, uh, in critical reviews. So I really hope Sega takes a look at this. Like, don't do the werehog again. Like, <laughs> like don't, don't take good games and just apply really stupid decisions to them because, like, Unleashed could have been in that conversation of, oh, yeah, this is a great Sonic game, you know, but it, 
it wasn't because at least half the game was just stupid. Yeah, the, the day stages no and Unleashed were, were awesome. I'll, I'll definitely give you that. Yeah, I, I love the day stages. I was like, if I, like, I mentally ignored the Werehog parts and pretended they didn't exist after I played the game. It's like, wow, this game is great. <laughs> but... <laughs> No, it's, like, it's it's awesome to see Sonic back, though. I, I just want them to have new stages uh, going forward. You know, I get that this was announced during the you know the 25th anniversary that stream, the Silver, uh, not not Silver the Hedgehog, but you know the Silver anniversary there. So I get you had to throw in some some of the past stages and, and going through time and all that. But you know, some let's get some new stages for a sequel. I agree. Yeah. All right, well, Demetrius, thank you so much for calling in. Where can people find you online? Anything you'd like to plug in particular? I can be found in a few places, but uh, in particular, I would like to plug, I am, um, I'm actually a senior writer on uh, a gaming website now called uh, Culture of Gaming. Oh, cool. Um, I have done an editorial entitled Gamers Are Idiots. Uh, <laughs> You know, I've done a, a few news stories here and there. Um, I am gearing myself up for a review of Destiny 2, which I'm sure will be quite stressful. Um, <laughs> trying to help build the culture of gaming brand, but also build my brand. So, yeah, also, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Um, Facebook, I'm under Demetrius Damone Wilson, my full name, and Twitter, D underscore Damone. Um, I don't do things, but if you want to follow me, that's cool. Well, that's awesome. I mean, congrats on the gig. That's really awesome. And uh, definitely will plug you in the show notes and check out uh, Demetrius's writing. That, that's great. Well, thank you so much for calling in. You have a great night. Uh, you too. Uh, thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for calling in. When we come back, I will get to my prediction of what my top 10 favorite games list for 2017 will be at the end of the year. It'll be something to compare to when that time rolls around. That's when we come back here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to The Power Switch. This week's Tempo Control Music is brought to you by Kid Icarus Uprising. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. I'd like to get to a top 10 list. Now, sometimes we have a top five list of, you know, people's favorite games and things like that. We're going to do a top 10 list this time around. I'd like to predict what my favorite games of 2017 will be at the end of the year. Now, we're at the end of August, and it seems like every year when Madden rolls around, that is kind of the onset of the big fall game release glut. And so, as amazing as 2017 has been so far, I'd like to kind of compare you know, the games that I've been playing so far with you know all of that considered, but also try to predict how I think some of the later releases in the year will fare out and shake out and hopefully predict to my taste. Now, this isn't, you know, what I think game of the year will be, but what I think my personal taste, how they'll kind of shake out uh, for my favorite games of 2017. So we'll compare it at the end of the year and see how that all changes. I want to do some honorable mentions, though, in the first place. Uh, Nier Automata is one of them. And I only got so far in this game, but 
the more I listen to the soundtrack, the more I see people talking about it. It's like, I got to pick it back up. Even though if I didn't really like the gameplay and the platinum action there, I got to experience it from a game player's perspective. I talked about earlier in the podcast, earlier in the year when I tried it, like, oh, maybe I'll see it on YouTube. I'm starting to think that's not the way to go. Maybe I, I rent it again, or maybe I buy it. It's at $40 now or so. Maybe I give that one another try. Uh, Batman the Evil Within is another one. The Telltale series episode or season two of Telltale Batman. Episode one came out early August. Episode two scheduled for the end of September. The full game will not be out by the end of 2017. However, uh, I would have this game in my top 10 if that were the case. But because that's the full game won't be out, I can't put that in my top 10. Uh, and other games that I really liked that weren't from 2017 releases, uh, Super Hot VR, I've praised time and time again on this show. Great, great VR experience. I think one of the best ones that you have to play in 2017. But that was a 2016 release originally, so I can't put that there. And then Her Story. Her Story is a game that it's unlike anything you'll ever play. But again, came out last year, so I can't put that for favorite games of 2017. Let's start number 10, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah, of course, the 2017 release, not the 2005 release. Uh, the more I see about it, the more I want to try it, uh, especially with the single player. It's like single player games are really getting me in. Uh, you're having you know great acting credits, great writing credits to it. Uh, but even like trailer where you're seeing... Uh, you know, the dogfighting action, the, the vehicle combat, that's that's really looking solid. Uh, I do want to buy that game, and I didn't think that would be the case this year, but it's it's shown really well at E3. It's shown well in trailers, and I feel like when that game rolls around, like that'll be one to pick up. So I, I want to put that temporarily at number 10. At number 9, Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony. Demo out right now on PlayStation Network, apparently with a, a chapter, you know, not spoiling the game or anything like that, but getting a sense of of the mechanics and, and the characters. Uh, I, I love, love, love the Danganronpa series, but going into this one, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm pretty interested, but I do have to see the anime as well before I really get ramped up to it. Uh, it I think I'm surprised that I'm at number nine with this predicting it out because the other games are just so good and uh you know i have such high hopes for them but i'll have danganronpa v3 at number nine at number eight i've already mentioned sonic mania uh i'm doing multiple playthroughs i you know beat sonic and tails i'm halfway through an individual knuckles and an individual tails run right now uh Lots to say about that, but I'm going to save that for a spoiler cast, so we'll still plan that out, but I think that'll fall at number eight. Number seven, I'm going to say Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, yeah, Man, to have another year off of Assassin's Creed, to have that wait a little bit of time, I think it's going to make all the difference. Big Assassin's Creed fan. Can't wait to see what they're doing in Egypt. And the, the new mechanics here, I, I even I love playing just have fun playing crappy Assassin's Creed games. I mean, I talked last time about uh, Three Liberation, uh, the one on Vita, and like, not a great Assassin's Creed game, very forgettable. But man, I have fun with the exploring the world and climbing the towers and going through that kind of game, and to have a new experience. Uh, that I want to see what they're doing with the modern day stuff too. That's really really interesting to me. Number six, I'm gonna put Yakuza Zero. I'm going to you know, go on recommendations from callers into the show and friends who are saying that this is one of their favorite games of the year. And like, I, I barely started 
uh, you know, not much even into the intro, uh, the the tutorial. But if this game is you know build up as what people are selling it as, I'm gonna put it pretty high on my list. I'm gonna kind of expect it around there, and especially uh, for a Japanese game. There are other Japanese games that I love this year, and kind of to live in that Japanese environment, I I feel like I got a good feeling about Yakuza Zero. Number five, I'm gonna go Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, I think for some people this will beat out Breath of the Wild for their favorite there, uh, but for me, Zelda means more to me. I mean, I really enjoyed playing the Mario Galaxy games, 3D World. Uh, that's awesome, but I don't, you know, go back to 64 as you know childhood nostalgia. I'm sure it'll be a great game, and I'll really, really enjoy it. But I'm gonna put it at number five for now. Number four, I'm going to say Uncharted: The Lost Legacy. Uh, Uncharted 4 was my favorite game of last year. More of the same gameplay and combat. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Adding a silent pistol, sure. You know, adding Chloe as one of the main protagonists along with Nadine. I, I you know, did it get a different taste, get a side story there. Seven, eight hour experience, perfect. Uh, I think the other games on the list are going to be better games that I have more fun with. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get that as a PS4 Pro 4K HDR kind of test of a game because I, I love the Uncharted games. I'm really excited to, to play that one. It's out now. I have it, but I'm waiting for the PS4 to get in and then the move and everything and then sit down and break in the new gaming setup with that one. So I have high hopes for that for sure. Number three, I'm going to go Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I mean, gosh, what can you say about that game? I think when it comes down to it, this is going to be like the game critics choice for game of the year overall as, you know, as a whole. Uh, but for me, I, I, I loved it. There's so many great game design moments, but other games just beat it out. And number two, that being Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, we compared these so closely at the beginning of the year, but for me, what beats out Horizon over Zelda is... You have more of a story. You have, I think, more interesting combat in Horizon Zero Dawn. The visuals are stellar. I mean, my goodness. Like, I think you have a bold uh, you know, risk. I mean, Aloy is one of the characters of the year. You're talking protagonist of the year. I think Aloy is right up there. Uh, it's, not, it's not Link. Uh, sorry to say. I, I think Nintendo does better world design. I think they have better thought with their puzzles and using the tools to their disposal there. So I think what that does for open world games and climbing everywhere is going to mean more to the industry. But man, for Gorilla to put out such a polished experience in Horizon Zero Dawn, I I was blown away when I got around to it. I loved playing that game. And I want to go back and play the DLC Frozen Wilds out this November. Let's get that DLC for Zelda announced, though. Like I want to see when that happens. But number one for me, it's no surprise if you've been following the show. It's Persona 5. I, I Persona 4 Golden, my favorite game of all time. I don't think Persona 5 passes it. I think I still have more of a soft spot in my heart for Persona 5 or for Persona 4, even though 5 is the better game overall. Uh, it's, it's to do with the characters and all that. Uh, but man, what an experience Persona 5 was for me. So when I'm talking about my favorite games of 2017, uh, going from 10 to 1, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Danganronpa V3, Killing Harmony, Sonic Mania, Assassin's Creed Origins, Yakuza 0, Super Mario Odyssey, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5. That's what I think my top 10 list will be at the end of the year. Of course, as we start to begin September here very soon, some of those games are not out yet, but we'll see how that all shakes out. And man, if that's a top 10 list 
for that makes 2017 a remarkable year for the game. I'm sure more conversations like that will be had at year's end. But that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community by visiting Discord at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. Now, it's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, as we continue to grow, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you want a YouTube video to watch, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned a game trailer called Comedy Night. And it's what the idea is mostly on their, their Facebook page. But the idea that you get in a server, kind of a room with people with a bunch of different avatars and microphones, and people test out their stand-up comedy material. And in the audience, you can react, you can talk, you can emote, and certain things like that. Well, Video Game Donkey, you know, popular gaming YouTuber, gave the game a shot, got some footage together. A funny watch, but I think it's just another example of kind of testing, seeing where that early access Steam game is and, you know, kind of poking some of the flaws of it, uh, the, the early flaws of it. But if you like the idea of that, check out Comedy Night from Video Game Donkey, kind of showing his gameplay a little bit of it, cut out in the, the best moments there. So yes, as I mentioned moving this weekend. I don't know if I'll be able to ha- be set back up in time for another podcast. So definitely stay tuned for that. I also want to plan a Sonic Mania spoiler cast, as I mentioned. So if you played Sonic Mania, let me know. We can try to arrange something that works for the the best for the most people. Get talking about all the different zones, the bosses, the the little tips and tricks, and even the secrets for Sonic Mania. Uh, So love doing that when members of our community are very interested about a certain game in particular. So stay tuned to our Discord channel as everything develops, also on Twitter at The Power Switch, and regardless whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spezia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.